Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. Good to see you. Everybody doing well? You're the ones who are not at the lake on vacation or at family reunions. So you are the cream of the crop today. I want to talk to you this morning about the Holy Spirit for the next four weeks in uh, June, taking out Father's Day. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. How many of you know we need the Holy Spirit? And we must have the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We love you. We praise you. God, today we're here to study your word and to be where you want us to be in our hearts, preparation, our ears, hearing. And God, speak to us in very clear terms. We ask it. We pray it. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today as you're seated. Well, sometimes when you are talking about the Holy Spirit, a lot of people are talking about nebulous things. And uh, how many of you know the Holy Spirit is not something that's just some kind of light, airy, frivolous thing? This is a solid Christian theology. The little boy was flying a kite, and um, it was a very windy day, a very sunny day, and he was getting the kite up higher and higher in the clouds in the middle of the sun. And the guy walked by and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. He said, how do you know you got a kite up there? He said, I can feel the tug on the string. How many know sometimes you just got that feeling? Everything's going to be all right. How do you respond to someone who says, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit? Or they say, who is the Holy Spirit? Or they make the statement, I'm not going to go to a church that speaks in tongues. How many of you have ever heard any of those terms? Hey, we're voting. I'm going to hold both of my hands up. Well, you know, my opinion doesn't matter much. And most people who say things like that don't know what they're saying. I, pardon my frankness. But they really don't know really what they're saying. How many of you know the Bible is the final authority on what we know about God? And so we need to know what the Bible says. And... Um, this uh, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, so almost every year in June we do a series on this. When the Holy Spirit's not present in us and among us and in the church, the church becomes very dry. The church becomes very religious, relevant, dull, lifeless, a form of godliness with no power therein. That's what the Bible says. And even it, it can become man-driven or show-driven or flesh-driven. We put on a, a show with shallow spiritual characteristics or overtones. So we need to know who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit works in our own personal life. Now to understand that, we have to understand a little bit about the Godhead. And let me tell you, the Godhead is un ununderstandable. Uh, Paul called it a mystery. So the understanding of the Godhead as we know in Scripture is um, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are not three gods, only one God, but the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. How many of you believe that? Now that's not easy to explain, and I don't fully understand that. And if Paul said it's a mystery, then it's a mystery also to me. But I understand a little bit of it. The Father's God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Not three gods, threefold is the nature of God, three distinctions, but one in nature and one in purpose. So we understand a little bit about the Son, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There is a body there. 
there. The Bible says God is the Spirit. John 4, 24 says God is the Spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the Holy Spirit is spirit, just the nature of a Holy Spirit uh, terminology. But it's the Spirit working inter, uh, intimately in our own personal lives. Most of you know the early church was birthed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have that in Acts chapter 1. The Bible says Jesus said, go to the upper room where we ate the last supper. He said, tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. And he called it the promise of the Father. How many of you the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father? It's also the power for us to witness. He said, after you receive the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So in Acts chapter 1, the, the promise of the Father, the promise includes the power of the Holy Spirit, and also of the power to be the witnesses of Christ. Acts 2, those believers, 120 in the upper room, received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There came a sound as a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. Cloven tongues appeared upon each of them. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit came uh, to them in utterance and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and it spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 3, Peter refers to the presence of the Lord. How many of you believe with me the Holy Spirit is the presence of the Lord. Acts chapter 4, 5,000 believers are uh, coming into the church. Acts 2, 3,000 believers came into the church. And then in Acts 4, 5,000 believers come into the church. And I want to read to you verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Acts 5. How many of you know we're going chapter by chapter? here. In Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the Holy Spirit. And Peter said those who obey God could receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 6, seven men who were full of the Holy Spirit were selected to help with the ministry of the early church. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen, who is full of the Holy Spirit, is martyred as the first martyr in the early church. In Acts chapter 8, Philip preaches in Samaria. Multitudes come to believe in Jesus Christ and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, there's a guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus. How many of you have heard of that guy? He later became the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 9, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, the centurion the Roman centurion Cornelius and his household become believers and they are all filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 11, Barnabas, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, goes to Antioch and encourages the believers there. In Acts chapter 11, also Agabus, who is a prophet, speaks by the Holy Spirit. There will be a famine in the land. Acts 13, the Holy Spirit speaks and Saul and Barnabas are sent out on their missionary work. And in Iconium, disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit. There's arising a dispute in the early church whether they should be circumcised. 
Now, understand under the old covenant, they believed that, you know, there is that covenant of circumcision. How many of you know we're under the new covenant? So it's not just the circumcision of the flesh. We need the circumcision of our hearts. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, it seemed good to them not to impose that upon Gentile believers. Acts 16 Paul is forbidden by the Holy Spirit from going into Asia. Acts 19, Paul comes across certain disciples who were baptized by John. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we haven't even heard of anything about the Holy Spirit. Sounds like some of you who came from church other places here. Isn't it amazing a lot of people have never been taught about the Holy Spirit? Man. Let me go a step further. A lot of people have been taught against the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if, if, if the Father's God and Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. How many of you believe that? Amen. We're not talking about three gods, we're talking about one God, one in purpose, one in nature but coming to us in diversity in how the Holy Spirit works in our life. So what seemed to be common in the early church in our day and time seems to be uncommon among a lot of churches. But it was very common in the early church. Did you get some kind of sense of theme and consistency as I read from chapter to chapter? And I didn't read all the chapters, and certainly sometimes the Holy Spirit's not mentioned, but I'll guarantee you when the Holy Spirit wasn't mentioned, the Holy Spirit's still working in the church. And so we have to understand that. Now, I'm not expecting you to shout me down this morning. This is kind of a teaching. But if you want to shout, that's okay. And say amen, because sometimes it's lonely up here. And, and a lot of times people look at me like a calf at a new gate saying, I don't know what you're talking about. But I want to tell you, in the next four weeks, I want to just go through this so that we'll have a greater understanding of the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. Would that be okay? So, I think this would be okay. So, when you remove the Holy Spirit from the church, it becomes a boring religious institution. We just kind of get together, sing kumbaya, and we all leave. And nobody's lives are changed. So, we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, it becomes a place where we're obligated to come to instead of a place where we're inspired to come to. You know, this is what I tell people when you come here. I say, you know, I want you to get up on Sunday morning and say, it's Sunday, I get to go to church. It's Sunday, I want to go to church. I got up early this morning. Uh, I did take a shower, put the deodorant on, but I, I was excited to be here today. But let me tell you, there are millions of people around the world who get up on Sunday morning and they say, you know what, it's Sunday, I got to go to church. It's purely obligation not inspiration. So we want it not only to be duty, but divine destiny. We're here because we believe God is speaking to us by his spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, Jesus promised us help. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some help. Come on, participate. Everybody here needs some help. Anybody here need some help? Yeah. Here's the good news. Jesus promised you a helper. He promised you a comforter. He says, I'm going to send you some help. John 14, verses 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. Everybody say him. Yeah. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you an orphan. I will come to you. Folks, let me tell you something. If the Holy Spirit is not the presence of Jesus Christ, he lied to every one of us. Yeah. 
Because he said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And we know in Acts 1, he ascended to heaven. But guess what happened? When he ascended, the Holy Spirit descended, and we have the Spirit of Christ within us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, John 16 Drop down to verse number 5. But I now must go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict or convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, declare it to you, all things that the Father has our mind. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Jesus said, I'm going to send you some help. And if anybody needs help here, it's me. And it's you. Because we live in a foreign world, a fallen world. We live in a world that is foreign to us spiritually and fallen to us relationally. And that's the world we live in. And let me tell you something. In the last days, the Bible says evil shall wax what? Worse and worse. So we need more help and more help. How many believe that? We need the Holy Spirit in the church more now than we've ever needed the Holy Spirit. And we've always needed the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you agree with that? Now. If you go through scripture, and I'm not going to give you all of those, but I'm going to give you 30 today. Don't, don't try to write them down. Just, just listen and you, you can buy the CD later. Um, do you realize the Holy Spirit doesn't just appear in Acts 2? The Holy Spirit begins in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke everything to an existence. He spoke the word. Later the word becomes flesh. And what he spoke, the Holy Spirit hovered over. And the word there is like brooding over like a chicken would set on an egg to hatch it. So the Holy Spirit is present in the very beginning and present always through Scripture. But the different terminology and the titles and the names of the Holy Spirit appear throughout scripture. I want to give you 30 of them this morning. The spirit of glory, the spirit of the Lord, God, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of the son, the spirit of God, eternal spirit, spirit of wisdom, spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of understanding, spirit of knowledge, spirit of the fear of the Lord God, spirit of judgment, spirit of burning, spirit of the Lord God, the breath of the almighty, comforter, spirit of truth, the power of the highest, the spirit of the father, the Spirit, Good Spirit, Holy Spirit, Seven Spirits of God, Spirit of Holiness, Spirit of Adoption, Spirit of Life, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of Grace. We go on and on and on. How many know the Holy Spirit's in the Bible? And the Holy Spirit is still relevant today. 
So when you hear someone say, well, that happened back then, but it doesn't happen today, how many of you know they don't know what the Word of God says? Okay. There are three baptisms mentioned in your New Testament. I want to give those three to you today in the next few moments. The first one is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, and that is being baptized into the body. Say that with me. Baptized into the body. Do you know when you become a believer, the Bible says you become a part of the body of Christ? Now, the body of Christ is the church, but technically this is the body of Christ, the body. Many members, one body. A lot of different shingles hanging over the door, one body. So when you become a believer, the Bible says that you're baptized into the body. Now, how does that happen? I'm glad you asked me. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, say that with me, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. According to the scripture, you were baptized into the body of Christ. You were baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink into one spirit. So we've been baptized into the body. We've been baptized in the body by the Holy Spirit. Do you know you cannot get saved without the work of the Holy Spirit? You remember what we read? That the Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin? Now, I, I, I know this personally for me. You don't have to tell me I'm a sinner. Anybody had to be reminded they're a sinner? Before you came to Christ, did anybody have to say, you know what? You're a sinner. And you said, no kidding. Y'all are so holy. Really? You mean I've done something wrong, said something wrong, um, offended somebody, hurt somebody, you know, lied, stole, uh, you, 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 you just go on and on. You know what the Bible says? The Holy Spirit convinces us of sin. Now, this is what the Bible doesn't say. The Holy Spirit condemns you in your sin. I mean, you know, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convinces you of sin. So you can't even come to Christ unless you are drawn by the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that? The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus. Who's the Savior? Jesus is the Savior. He's the only Savior. So why is the Holy Spirit drawing us to Jesus? Because Jesus is the Savior, convincing us of sin, righteousness, judgment. So the Holy Spirit is showing us and showing the world. But how many of you know not everyone responds to the drawing and the convincing of the Holy Spirit? But we have as believers. And you may be here today and you say, well, listen, I don't believe that. I'm not a believer. Listen, this is what I'm praying. I'm praying the Holy Spirit convinces you of where you're at today and draws you to the Savior who is Jesus Christ. So there is the baptism into the body. Secondly, there's baptism by water. Now listen, we believe that you should be baptized into water. Now that's because the Bible teaches that. Now who baptizes us in water? Any disciple can baptize you into water. We have the great commission to go make disciples. Once they become disciples, then baptizing them. Acts 2 says the same thing. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us in the body, but a believer or a disciple can baptize you into water. Now this is what... 
Paul said. He says, do you not know, Romans 6, 3 and 4, that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Listen, if you're dead in your sin... If you're dead in your sin and you come to faith in Jesus Christ, what do you do with something that's dead? You bury it. Now, we just about two weeks ago, we baptized five young people here in the church. And uh, when you're dead in sin and you come to know Christ, you go and bury what's dead. Now, I can't take you to Fairlawn and throw dirt on you. Well, I guess I could. How many would like that? No, okay. But you know what we can do? We can take you to the water, which symbolizes burial. So we take you to a watery grave, if you will, and we put you under the water, which is a symbolic gesture of what? Burial. But we don't leave you under there. Sometimes a few bubbles do come up. But then we pull you right back up. Now that's why when those people were convinced of their sin in Acts 2... They said, now what do we do? And he said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for it is to you, your children, and to all those that are far off. Now he's not talking about in terms of miles. He's talking about generationally in years. Now how many of you know we're far off from the book of Acts? Matter of fact, we're close to 2,000 years away from that. But he said the promise is to who? who Peter was preaching to, to you, to your children, and every generation after that, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So baptism in water is symbolic of the death, the burial, and since I don't hold you down, what do I do? I pull you right back up, and that's symbolic of what? The resurrection. The resurrection. So we're identifying with Jesus Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Now, the message is not baptism here, but believers should follow the Lord in baptism. So there's a baptism by the Holy Spirit into the body. There's a baptism into water, signifying the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there's a third baptism mentioned. And it's the baptism in and with the Holy Spirit. And guess who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit? According to Scripture, Jesus baptizes. Do you know this is mentioned in every gospel? We have what we call the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then there's John. He's kind of hanging out there, you know, by himself. But in every gospel, all four of these things are mentioned, and I'm going to give them to you. Matthew 3 and 11. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. Now, who's, who's talking here? This is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. So he's coming. He's baptizing for repentance. You should repent of your sins. You should acknowledge your sins by baptism and believe on the one who's coming after me. Now, who's that? That's Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the one who John is talking about. And he says, you should, you should repent of your sins. You should acknowledge your sins. You should be baptized with the baptism of repentance and believe on the one who's coming after me, who I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. But notice the next line. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So who's going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire? Jesus is. Now, 
you got to follow along here. Holy Spirit baptizes in the body. A believer can baptize you in water. And then Jesus baptizes you and I in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is Mark 1 and 8. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, 18, uh, 3, 16. And John answers, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John 1, 33. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now look at this line. Upon whom you see the Holy Spirit descending and remaining upon him. Old Testament, the Holy Spirit moved upon prophets. The Holy Spirit moved upon kings. The Holy Spirit moved upon many people. But you know today, not only can we have the Holy Spirit move upon us, but the Holy Spirit can come into us and live within us. We can be immersed in, which is the term baptism. We can be immersed in the Holy Spirit. We say things like this, man, I need more of the Holy Spirit. Maybe the right terminology is the Holy Spirit needs more of me. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we say, well, I need more of the Holy Spirit. I think maybe the right terminology is the Holy Spirit needs more of you. Okay, I'm going to talk to this group up here. We need to give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, he said, whoever is receiving the Spirit and the Spirit remains upon him. And the Bible says Jesus has the Holy Spirit without measure. Without measure. He is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. John said the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a what? Like a dove. Now the Holy Spirit is not a dove. But there are many different descriptive terms for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is referred to as water, as oil, as fire, as a dove. So if I'm at a track meet, if I'm at the Olympics and I said, that guy runs like a deer. How many of you know he's not a deer? Or that guy lifts weights and we say, he's strong as an ox. How many of you know he's not an ox? Okay. <laughs> if we say, man is wise as an owl. How many of you know we not know he's not wise? No, I mean, how many of you know he's not an owl? I'm just kidding with Matt over here. So we use descriptive things to give us understanding, but the Holy Spirit's not a dove. How many of the Holy Spirit's God? Not another God. The Holy Spirit's God. So when we say we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it means that we're immersed in the Spirit, and we need to have that immersion in our lives and through our lives so that we can live the most powerful life that we can live. So we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, why would we believe that? Because it is just so scriptural, isn't it? Now, let me give you the devil's advocate, kind of a horrible term, but I think you'll understand what I'm saying. And, and what, th th this happened to me so many times, 1 Corinthians 13. But when that which is perfect has come, how many of you ever heard that term? Tongue shall cease, prophecy shall cease, all these things will be done away with. And I agree with that. But if you keep reading in chapter 13, and you keep reading what Paul is writing, he's saying there is coming that which is perfect. How many of you live in a perfect place right now? Anybody live in a perfect place? Not one hand's going up. How many of you have a perfect life? 
Any hands going up? No. You know why? We live in a fallen world. We don't live in perfection. We're pressing to it, but we don't live in it. We're, we're, we're moving there, but we're not there yet. And Paul goes on to say, and one day we will see him, catch this, face to face. Amen. Say that with me. Face to face. Hey, my friends, one day you're going to see Jesus face to face. And when you see him face to face, you won't need any healing. You won't need tongues. You won't need prophecy. You won't need discernment. You won't need any of those things. You know why? Because you're at a place with him face to face. You're in eternity, baby. That's where we're going to be. But until then, until then, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Until then, we need help. Until then, neighbor, you need some help. Until then, Carrie needs some help. Because she's married to me. Y'all are so holy. What are we saying? We need help. Listen, my friends, we're baptized into the body. We're baptized by water. We're, we should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me show you how this plays out because this is why I believe in And I'm, I'm, I'm done here. Hold on. I believe every major doctrine is found in the Old Testament in a shadow or type or some way. And you should believe that because it's true. And this is what happens. Paul does this to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you'd like, like to turn there. I'm going to kind of just lay a little nugget on you. He begins to say in chapter 10 verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, I don't want you to miss this, that our fathers, all of our fathers, were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now this is an amazing verse because what Paul does, he's setting us up in 1 Corinthians 10 to lead us into chapter 11 and chapter 12 and 13 and 14. Now this is what he says. He says, now our fathers, all of them were baptized in the cloud, in the sea, and into Moses. Do you remember me saying the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body, Jesus Christ? Do you realize Moses was a type of Jesus? And Moses acknowledged that. He said, one day the Lord's going to raise up a prophet just like unto me. And you know who he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Because Egypt is a type of sin. Egypt is a type of bondage. And Moses, being the one sent by God, led them out of the, the land of bondage or the land of sin, if you will. And once they left, that defining moment of breakthrough, it wasn't turning the river into blood. It wasn't the flies. It wasn't the frogs. It wasn't the, the diseased animals. You know what the defining moment was? It's when they marked their homes with the blood of the Lamb. And when they marked their homes with the blood of the Lamb, they escaped death. You with me? And it was that moment of the marking of the blood of the lamb that allowed them to be free from the land of bondage and they headed to the promised land. And as they head to the promised land, guess how they were led and guided? 
There was a cloud by day. There was a pillar of fire by night. And God led them through the Red Sea. Do you know, listen to me, he baptized a whole nation in the Red Sea according to Paul. Now, if you read this in the Psalms, the Bible says that God parted the waters and congealed them. Whenever I think of the word congealed, my friends, I think of jello. <laughs> Picture in your mind a whole nation going on dry ground, which is also a miracle. The waters are parted, there are walls of water congealed. And you walk up to the wall of water and there's a fish on the other side kind of looking at you and you're looking at the fish. And you're going through and symbolically God baptized an entire nation through the Red Sea. But also there was the cloud by day and there was fire by night. It represents that baptism into the body or unto Moses according to scripture, baptism in water, the Red Sea, and the baptism of the Spirit, the cloud. And he says, listen, our nation was baptized that way. How many of you believe that? So today, you and I are living in a time where we believe and we know through scripture that the availability of the Holy Spirit to help us, to comfort us, and to come into us with power is available to us today. And every one of us, the promise is unto you, your children, and what? All them that are afar off. Man, I believe in the Holy Spirit, don't you? I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because the Bible tells me so. Stand with me this morning. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.